0: They threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone down below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who was responsible for this calamity. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. They asked him, Tell us, Who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I am a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them and they asked, What have you done? The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you pleased. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed. I was in very bad trouble. I called to the Lord for help, and he answered me. I was deep in the grave. I cried to you, and you heard my voice. You threw me into the sea. Your powerful waves splashed over me. I went down, down into the deep sea. The water was all around me. Then I thought, now I must go where you cannot see me, but I continued looking to your holy temple for help. The seawater closed over me. The water covered my mouth and I could not breathe. I went down, down into the deep sea. Seaweed wrapped around my head. I was at the bottom of the sea, the place where the mountains begin. I thought I was locked in this prison forever, but the Lord my God took me out of my grave God, you gave me life again. My soul gave up all hope, but then I remembered the Lord. I prayed to you, and you heard my prayers in your holy temple. Some people worship useless idols, but those statues will never help them. I will give sacrifices to you, and I will praise and thank you. I will make special promises to you, and I will do what I promise. Salvation only comes from the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land.
1: you, Ellie. So 23 years ago, I was a young seminarian, and uh, I was about to do my internship out in California. So living here in Grand Rapids, my family helped me pack up a U-Haul truck with all of Stacy and I's personal possessions, which wasn't all that much, so it wasn't a huge U-Haul truck. And my brother Dave from California came, and Dave and I set off across the country to end up in Merced, California. Um, It was an uneventful trip, nothing too exciting to share until we got to the Great Salt Lake and had to drive across the Great Salt Lake in Utah. Some of you have been there and maybe have shared this experience as well. So you you get close to the Great Salt Lake and there's signs that warn you that you better fill up with gas because once you start crossing the Great Salt Lake, there are no gas stations available to you. And so we looked at the gas gauge, and we had a pretty decent amount of gas, and it's not that far, so off we went across the Great Salt Lake. If some of you have driven that before, you know this experience. Suddenly, when we got to that, onto that, great, that highway crossing the Great Salt Lake, there was this unbelievable headwind, and my aerodynamically challenged truck was driving straight into that headwind. I can remember putting my foot—I was driving at the time—putting my foot down— the gas pedal all the way down to the floor, and I think I got to 40 miles an hour, right? It was just unbelievable, this headwind. And I'm watching as we're driving these, these miles, and you can almost literally see that gas gauge just moving, just dropping. And you begin to panic, and you worry and think, maybe I should have read that sign more carefully. Maybe I should have stopped and topped off. And I'm getting more and more nervous as that wind is pushing against. And I think we made it to the other side on fumes and pulled into the first gas station giving thanks that we made it against that huge headwind. There's nothing there to break the wind across that lake. Now six years later, I'm moving back here to Michigan. And this time I'm in my car and I got two kids and my wife and we come to the Great Salt Lake and there's no sign on the other side coming this way. Because this time it's a tailwind Blew me straight across I think that's the best gas mileage I've ever gotten With the wind across that great salt lake The only moment of panic came There's a rest area in the middle And we stopped at that rest area to take a break And my daughter Erin Four years old at the time Gets out and she just about blew away Like Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz I grabbed her hand and refused to let go Right? Direction makes all the difference, doesn't it? If you're going one way, it's hard. If you're going the other way, it's simple. That's the lesson that Jonah learns. Right? The Old Testament prophet Jonah learned that lesson the hard way. He found out how difficult it is to run against the wind of God's call in his life. Right? For Jonah... God's wind was blowing east. God clearly told him. God said to him, I want you to go east. I want you to go east to the city of Nineveh. And I want you to be my voice in that city. My prophet in Nineveh. Now, it's a really unusual request from God. Right, Old Testament prophets often prophesied against foreign cities like Nineveh was an Assyrian foreign city, but they usually did it from the safety of Israel, right? They stood in Israel and they said, hey, you over there, clean up your ways. It's not what God said to Jonah. He said, I don't want you to stand here and prophesy against Nineveh. I want you to go to Nineveh, 500 miles east, head east, Nineveh, a city of great evil, right? It's a city known for their terrible cruelty in war, known for prostitution, known for witchcraft, known for injustice. Go, Jonah. God's wind is blowing east, and Jonah chooses to go west, to go against the wind. It says that he headed for the city of Tarsus. I don't know your geography real well I looked it up I had to look it up Tarsus is a city in Spain 2000 miles the opposite way 2000 miles west it's the far it's basically the farthest city you can get in the then known world for Jonah so God calls him 500 miles east he goes as far west as he possibly can his choice is to run against the wind of God's call, and it taught him some very painful lessons. It's my hope that this week and the next two weeks, as we look at the story of Jonah, we will learn some of those lessons the easy way. Jonah learned them the hard way. Maybe we can learn from his experience, and we can avoid a whole lot of pain that he saw. And so this morning, we learned from Jonah chapters 1 and 2 that you just heard read to you. We learned the lessons that he learned through the storm. And the first lesson that Jonah learned as he ran headlong into the wind of God's calling is that you can run from God's call, but you can't hide. Right? Scripture tells us, the story tells us that Jonah's whole intent in getting in this boat in the city of Joppa was to flee from God. That's why he gets on the boat, and that's also why he goes down below deck and hides down there in the darkness where not even God can see him, right? Because if God can't find him, then God can't make him do what he doesn't want to do. Kind of like those of you who have little kids at home. You know, your are three-year-old. When it's evening time and you walk into the living room and you declare, Hey, junior, it's time for bed. I don't know what your kids do, but mine would quickly run behind the couch and hide. Because they think that if I can't see them, they can't see, or if they can't see me, I can't see them. And they can avoid bedtime, right? I watched them run. I saw them go behind the couch. I know exactly where they are. God watched Jonah run. He knows exactly where Jonah is. There is no hiding from God, right? Jonah wasn't the first one to try it. Back in Genesis, Adam and Eve, the first sin happens. And all of a sudden, they realize that they're naked. They realize that the relationship with God is broken. Remember what they did? They ran and they hid from God. Didn't last very long. God knew right where they were in the garden. The psalmist in Psalm 139, he must have tried the same thing. I think he's writing from experience when he writes these words. He says, Will hide me, and the light become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. That God Himself says in Jeremiah, he asks the question: Am I, am I only a God nearby and not far away? Who can hide in the secret places so that I cannot see him? Do I not fill heaven and earth? He does. So God's at the ticket booth in Joppa when Jonah buys his ticket. And God's below deck in the darkness. And God is in Tarsus, waiting for Jonah to arrive. He can't hide. And you and I are too smart for that, right? We laugh at Jonah's foolishness, how foolish he is trying to hide from God. We're smarter than that. Or are we? Because I think thousands of years later now, you and I keep doing the very same thing. You and I run and we try and hide from God. Right? So, so you and I, we hear God telling us what he wants from us in life. But when we don't like what he says we run the other way, thinking God won't find us. We do it all the time, right? So so maybe we hear God convicting us to break that bad habit, to stop that signature sin that we keep holding on to. But we run the other way, hoping that God won't see us when we sin again. Or we hear God calling us to take to take whatever that next step is in our spiritual maturity, to grow in our spiritual life. Maybe he's saying, I want you to have a more steady personal devotion life, or I want you to to join a life group, or I want you to take your next step in serving or giving. And our response is to hide from God behind our busyness. We don't have time for that, God. Or to hide from God behind our, our selfishness. I can't afford that, God. We're trying to hide from his call, aren't we? Maybe we hear God calling us to begin a conversation. Maybe a difficult conversation with a classmate or a neighbor or a co-worker. Or maybe a conversation with our husband or our wife because that marriage needs to be strengthened and we need to to have that conversation. Or maybe God's asking you to have a conversation with your grown child, your your grown daughter who needs to hear that you love her your grown son that needs to hear the words, I'm proud of you. And we don't do it. We hide from it. We never make the time. We never make the effort. We hide from God's direction. Or maybe God's giving you clear direction in your life. Maybe he's revealed for you a job change, a career choice, a move, and we're scared to follow. So we say, God, I can't do it. I'm I hide behind the life that I'm in, right? We're running against the wind of God's call. We're hiding from him. Instead of in the bottom of a boat, we hide in our routines. We hide in our comfort that we're experiencing. We, we hide in our safe religious lives that are good enough, and we hope that God won't really notice us, won't call us to do anything bigger or better than what we're already doing. And we end up living a life that's going into a headwind of God's calling for our lives. Just like Jonah. And when we do that, the living is tough. It's hard living into the headwinds of God's call. Jonah shows us that yes, you can run away from God's call, but the consequences will hurt The consequences will be bad when we make that choice. Right, Jonah gets into the boat. He heads away from God's call, and God doesn't just let him go. God doesn't just give up on the plan that he had for Jonah and say, Oh, well, there goes Jonah. I guess I'll find somebody else to go to Nineveh. No, that's not how God replies. This boat heads out to sea with Jonah hiding below deck, and God chases after him. It tells us that the Lord sends a storm, a great wind on the sea, such a big storm that the ship is about to sink. This storm is a direct result of Jonah's rebellion. It's a direct result of Jonah's decision to turn his back on God's calling for his life. It's the storm of God's disappointment. It's a dangerous thing to choose to live against the wind of God's calling in your life. And from Jonah, we learn that the consequences for running away from God will be bad for you, first of all. Right? All of us have storms in our lives. And there's different kinds of storms in life. Many of the storms that we experience in our lives are the unavoidable results of living in a broken and sinful world. The brokenness of this creation brings hurt and pain in our lives, and there's nothing we can do about that except hold on to God and let Him carry us through. But there are other storms in life that we experience in our lives that are a direct result of our own disobedience to God. When we choose to live against God, there's consequences to those choices, right? There's storms that come because of them. And so some of us are living in the middle of a storm of financial pain because we've chosen to handle our money unwisely. We've chosen to live out greed instead of gratitude. Some of us are in the middle of a storm of an unhealthy relationship, maybe with our spouse, maybe with our children, maybe with our parents. Because we have chosen to live out of selfishness and pride in that relationship instead of grace and humility that God tells us will cultivate a healthy relationship. It's it's our choice. Some of us are experiencing storms in our physical well-being because we haven't honored our bodies the way that God intends us to care for them. We can choose these things. We can choose to run away from God's direction, to run away from God's call. We can choose to say no to God's direction in our lives, but in doing so, we need to realize that there will be consequences in our lives. Because God loves us as his children so much that the direction he gives us is also the path to blessing. When God calls us, when God sends us, when God directs us, he directs us towards good things. He he will never lead us down a dead end. He will never lead us towards pain and failure. It may be difficult, yes, but in the end, what he directs us towards is his good path towards blessing that will end with satisfaction and joy and contentment. And he gives each of us Specific callings in life, direction to live, so that we might be, yes, used by Him, but also so that we might be blessed by Him in the process. And so when you and I turn our back on God's direction for our lives, we are also turning our back on His blessing. Just know that. Know there's consequences for that choice for you in your life, for me in my life. But this isn't just about us. The consequences of our running against God's calling spill over to others as well. The people all around us. It did for Jonah. Jonah's running away from God. The storm comes down on Jonah and his fellow fellow sailors are all caught up and put in jeopardy because of it, right? They were caught in the storm right along with him. In fact, Jonah was so self-obsessed, self-focused that while the storm raged above him, he's sleeping in the boat, fast asleep. And even when they go wake him up and say, "Come on, buddy, help us out here," he doesn't right away say, "Oh, yeah, this is all my fault. I'm so sorry." It isn't until they cast lots and they figure out it's you that he finally says, "Yeah, it's me." He puts all of them in danger. Because of his rebellion against God. And our choice to rebel against God will put other people around us in danger as well. The consequences of running against the wind of God's call affect not just you, but the people around you, and most likely the people that you love the most. So... If you choose to live out a worldly perspective on finances, that will not just affect you, but it will affect your family and your business and your church and your witness. And your unwillingness to follow God's direction for a healthy relationship and a healthy marriage will affect not just you, but it will affect your kids and your grandkids for generations to come. If you ignore God's call for you to care well for your body, It will not only bring pain to you, it will bring great pain to the people who love you the most. When we run against the wind of God's call, the consequences affect not just us, but the people around us. And it affects people who don't even realize it's affecting them. Remember the people of Nineveh? Jonah's putting the whole city of Nineveh in grave danger, because God has chosen Jonah to be their hope of salvation. And their only hope is running in the opposite direction from them. God has chosen you and me to bring the good news of salvation through His Son, Jesus Christ, to our Ninevahs. Maybe that Nineveh is right next door in your neighborhood. Maybe your Nineveh is at work in your office or your factory. Maybe your Nineveh is in the hallways and classrooms of your school. God has given each of us a Nineveh and said, here's where I want you to go. Here's the person that I've brought into your life because they need to know about Jesus. We carry that hope of Jesus Christ. And if we decide to ignore the calling that God gives us, We're putting them in danger even if they don't realize it. Because their hope is running away from them. The consequences of our rebellion yes, they affect us, but they affect the people around us and beyond as well. We like to think that our relationship with God is just a me and God thing, right? It doesn't affect anybody else. Nobody else needs to worry about my spiritual life. It's just me and God. Jonah proves that's not true. It's not true. But the good news, the good news in the storm, is that God is not going to let the storm destroy you. You can run from God's call, but God will not let you go. Right? When, when the storm of life, the storm of God's discipline, finally gets your attention, like it did Jonah, He'll give you a way out. He'll give you a chance to turn around and start walking with the wind of his call at your back instead of in your face. That's the grace of God. The grace of God that never lets you go. Right? Here's Jonah. Jonah, who's guilty of disobeying God Almighty, the King of the universe. Jonah deserves to be swallowed up by this storm. He deserves to sink to the bottom of this this ocean. He deserves whatever punishment God decides to give him. But just as the storm shows God's disappointment in Jonah, so the appearance of this great fish shows the extent of God's grace given to Jonah as well. Jonah is tossed into the sea. But instead of that being the end of his story, it's just the beginning. It's the beginning of Jonah walking with the wind of God's call. This fish that swallows Jonah just happens to be heading in the direction of Nineveh. God's grace gives Jonah another chance to walk with God instead of against him. and God's ready to give each one of us that grace as well. Doesn't matter how long you've been running against the wind of God's calling in your life. It's not too late. This offer of God's grace will always be there in the storm. It will always leave us with a decision to make, a choice that we get to make. Do we want to live our lives in the storm of God's discipline? Or in the peace of his grace? Will we follow his direction? Or will we insist on following our own wisdom? Will we walk against the wind of God? Or will we turn around and walk with it? The prophet Jeremiah prays a prayer that I think needs to be our prayer as well. He says, Lord, I know that people's lives are not their own. It is not for them to direct their steps. It's not for me to direct my steps. It's not for you to direct your steps. He says, discipline me, Lord. Send a storm when necessary. Discipline me, Lord, but only in due measure. Not in your anger, or you will reduce me to nothing. You and I, need to tune the ears of our hearts to hear God's call, to know where God is leading and directing us, and then we need to choose to follow. And we can learn our lesson the hard way, like Jonah did. We can choose to ignore God's call and go the opposite way, and the storms will come. The storms will come and he will allow the consequences of our choices to play themselves out in our lives. We can learn the hard way if we wish. But God's ready to lead us by his grace if we'll choose that instead. If we'll say yes to the direction that his will is blowing and if we'll run with the wind of his call wherever that might lead us. I think each one of us needs to come to the basic realization, as Jeremiah did, that our life is not our own, but we belong, body and soul, in life and in death, to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. We belong to Him. And if we truly believe that, then we will let God have control of our lives. Then we will let God set our path and our direction. Then we will run with the wind of God's calling at our backs instead of in our faces. Now, know up front that that doesn't mean there will be no storms in life. Because Satan will still try to attack you even as you run with the wind of God's call. And the brokenness of this world, of this universe, is still real. And that won't be fixed until Jesus finally comes again and makes all things new. But when we're running with God's call, then when those storms come, they won't be the storms of God's discipline and righteous indignation. And instead, God will be running beside us in that storm. And he'll be there to carry us, to comfort us, to bring us safely through. So the first lesson that we need to learn from Jonah, the lesson from the storm, is a profound lesson of faith. Each one of us needs to notice which way the wind is blowing in our lives. Which way is it blowing for you? I would guess that for some of us here this morning, if you dare to answer that question, you'd have to answer that, that the wind is blowing in your face because you're walking in the wrong direction. You're walking against the wind of God's call in your life. And life is hard. You're in the storm. And you know what the storm feels like. You know the disappointment. You know the hurt. You know the failure. You know the pain. And maybe you're going to be reminded this morning. Maybe God's going to whisper to you, turn around. Turn around maybe for the first time. Or maybe turn around again and walk with me instead of fighting against me. My guess is others of us here, the wind is neither in our face or at our back. It's kind of coming from the side. We aren't really working against God's call, but we aren't really moving with it either. And maybe God's going to say to you this morning, you know what, before you turn too far around, before you get too far off track, how about turning and walking with me? Let's reset our priorities. Let's reset our calling. Let's reset a purpose in life. And I hope some of you here this morning your answer was, I can feel the wind of God and it's blowing at my back. And I've never been moving faster. I've never gotten better mileage in life than this. I've never experienced such fulfillment and contentment and joy as when the wind of God's call is blowing me forward. Because the wind is blowing in each one of your lives, mine too. God has a good purpose and a good plan and a calling for every single one of us. And so feel the wind this morning and notice which way the wind is blowing in your life. Is it at your face or is it at your back? Because the direction will make all the difference. Would you pray with me? God, thank you. Thank you for the storms in life. Oh, we don't like them. We don't enjoy them. We wish that they weren't there. But we recognize this morning that sometimes those storms in our lives are your wake-up call to us, your megaphone to finally get our attention, and to turn us around and bring us back to you. And so, Father, as some of us are here this morning, we look at our lives and we're feeling the disappointment and the pain of the storms that we're experiencing. Give us the wisdom to ask what's behind those storms, of what choices we're making, of what message you're sending of what invitation of grace you might be giving. Father, thank you for the plan and the purpose that you have for each one of us. It's easy for us to hide within the comfort and safety of the lives that we've built. And we just as soon not listen to your call, because we're we're really satisfied right here, right now, And we like the comfortableness of our lives. And yet sometimes it's that very comfort that causes us to run against the wind of your call. Give us the courage to, first of all, listen to you, to ask you, Father, what do you want from me? What have you designed me for? What have you called me to? What is the path that will bring me true joy? true contentment, true satisfaction. And God, when we hear that from you, give us the courage to walk that direction, to walk that path for your glory, for our fulfillment, and for the people all around us who need us to be the bearers of your good news. Thank you, Father, for your great love for us and for using us and calling us and directing us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.